welcome to the first Additive Insight Industry Roundtable brought to you by TCT. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and today we're joined by three experts to discuss the potential for 3D printing in supply chain. Our panellists are Dr Jennifer Johns, Reader in International Business at the School of Management at the University of Bristol in the UK. Jennifer also serves as Academic Advisor to Reshoring UK and the GTMA Trade Association. Jennifer, with colleagues in engineering at the university, has just secured a £1 million grant to develop a cloud-based distributed manufacturing system using 3D printing. We also have Ramon Pastor, HP's Worldwide General Manager of 3D Printing. HP's Jet Fusion technology has been used everywhere from Volkswagen to Small Direct Club and even inside its own machines. Last year, HP surveyed more than 2,000 manufacturing leaders about trends in digital manufacturing. 79% of respondents shared the idea that 3D printing could help make supply chains more agile. Rounding out our esteemed panel, we also have Sam Unakori, Head of 3D Printing and Customer Solutions at Johnson & Johnson. In a recent interview with TCT, Sam shared how, as a global company operating across dynamic healthcare markets, there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all approach. At J&J's 3D Printing Centre of Excellence, various 3D printing technologies are being applied to develop, test and commercialise products much faster. Sam anticipates that 3D printing will be a mainstay of future supply chains. Throughout, you'll hear about lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic, important considerations for 3D printing in supply chain, and the biggest opportunities for additive in increasing supply chain resilience. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more additive manufacturing insight, head over to tctmagazine.com, where you can pick up your free copy of TCT and get the biggest 3D printing news stories delivered straight to your inbox every week. Okay, so let's dive in. Um, last year, we saw an increase in conversation around the potential for additive manufacturing in supply chain. What have you learned about manufacturing supply chains and about the capabilities of 3D printing during the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, Jennifer, I think we'll go to you first as you spoke about this during your talk at the TCT um, conference at Form Next. Yeah, thank you very much, Laura. Um, I think some kind of big things struck me about um, the, what we've learned about manufacturing supply chains. Um, particularly around additive manufacturing. Um, and I think that's about the responsiveness of additive manufacturing um, in order to try and tackle these things. It was quite immediate, the community coming together and, um, uh, and offering solutions to some of these quite extreme supply chain problems that were occurring, particularly around um, COVID. Um, and I think we were aware that some supply chain problems might be coming because of Brexit, um, but I think that severity of COVID was really quite immediate and extreme. Um, and I think we saw enthusiasm um, and a real drive to um, combat these problems. And uh, traditionally, I've seen 3D printing at home as being kind of separate sometimes from industrial um, mm -hmm. additive manufacturing. But in many senses, we've seen some coming together of those communities again, um, which I think also is suggestive of those that move of cheaper desktop machines and industrial machines becoming um, more accessible to users. Um, but on the flip side, I think that there's been it's shown some of the issues around additive manufacturing that we all know exist. Um, problems of coordination, um, also quality, um, and the need for standards and communicating those standards across the community and also to the users of the items that are produced. So I wouldn't say it's a, a huge success story, um, yeah. I, but I think that there's, um, I'm enthused and quite proud of the sector in terms of the response, but also quite cautious about some of the problems that still exist. Okay. And Sam, as a user of the technology, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I think uh, 3D printing or additive manufacturing. Maybe just a little bit of a background about my company. Like we are uh, 
uh, three different big segments blended in together. One is the med devices, the other one is the pharmaceuticals, and then the consumer health. 3D printing of the additive technology has been able to provide solutions in the supply chain across the world. So there was really a good advantage during the COVID times, um, especially when we had uh, issues with you know, PPEs, um, also with some of the sanitizer solutions, some of the vaccine development work, uh, this technology, because of the fact that it is, you know, a digital technology and we can be very agile about quickly connecting and creating product, uh, really helped out the company and the customers mostly on bringing some of the solutions uh, quickly to us, right? So one good example is um, during the early part of that last year during March, uh, when the ventilator supply was really bad, uh, you know, there was one protocol around splitting a single ventilator into multiple patients, uh, at least two patients. And we were asked to do this ventilator splitters. Uh, typically a medical device product takes like a couple of years to, you know, from the beginning of the launch to get it to launch. Uh, we're able to use the technology to get it out in 10 days. So which is incredible and could not have happened without, uh, you know, 3D printing. So. I agree with Jennifer. There were definitely some, you know, a lot of learnings for us too, especially around how do we coordinate um, uh, some of the standards around the technologies. Uh, but I think it was a big, um, uh, you know, impact to the patients during the crisis time. I think it really helped out. So, mm -hmm. and Ramon, what about you as, you know, someone who's with a company that not only makes printers but quite, you know, uses three D printing quite a lot as well. Exactly. So I think that uh, during this pandemic, we, we, we saw the, the limits of the current uh, supply chain, as we know it, no? which, is, mm -hmm. which is fantastic, super efficient, but it works only when the supply is stable and the demand is stable. And what we've seen is actually both the, the supply broken in, uh, in many cases with, uh, with uh, uh, factories shut down, even countries have been uh, shut down, and also peaks on demand of, uh, of areas that nobody actually could uh, foresee. And one, and one example is, uh, is medical, uh, medical supplies. And uh, so I think that the, the 3D community has done a, big, a fantastic uh, job, really, uh, being together, uh, working together, sharing designs, and really helped through a super quick reaction uh, from, uh, from idea and, and uh, and Jennifer and, and Sam just share some some examples. Quick reaction from from the, the identification of the need to the mm -hmm. design to the production within weeks, uh, showcasing the benefits of uh, distributed manufacturing. Once you had an idea, uh, being certified, basically distributed files printed, produced where it was needed, when it was needed, and uh, also the ability to reconfigure production lines, uh, production lines mm -hmm. that were thought to produce product A. And uh, suddenly, because the need was product B, basically shifting to this uh, this production line to to new SKUs, to new uh, products that were needed. I think that uh, this has been noticed by the industry, and now companies that are looking at uh, at a more resilient supply are taking notes of uh, of three uh, printing, and we are having a lot of discussions with uh, in different industries now on how we can help to uh, think in a much better uh, idea on resilient supply chain. Mm 
And Ramon, you mentioned all those benefits there, and we saw uh, HP's technology been used for quite a lot of different applications um, over the course of the last year. Are there any applications from the pandemic that you think really stand out and, and kind of show 3D printing's capacity to help make supply chains more resilient and agile? Yes, Laura. So let me give you a couple of uh, examples. One example, for instance, on uh, how quickly production line were reconfigured. And the example is uh, with one of our uh, biggest customers, my uh, direct lab, uh, that within days, basically, they reconfigure the, the, their production lines that are basically, as you know, uh, they produce uh, dental liners to produce uh, PPEs. And this was basically, mm -hmm. they saw this uh, peak in, uh, in demand, they wanted to help. And basically, within days, actually, a huge uh, production line produced millions of uh, dental liners. Uh, a year was uh, suddenly uh, reconfigured to produce uh, uh, personal protection equipment. Uh, another uh, example uh, of a fast reaction uh, is swaps. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I still remember there was uh, weeks after the, the, the initial uh, pandemic uh, where we received a call, actually our colleagues in, uh, in the central HP labs in Palo Alto, they received a call from a, a, a hospital in, uh, in the Boston area the Harvard Medical uh, Hospital, uh, and basically they shared with us the, 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 their, their problem. No? The, the, the swaps around the world were produced by very few uh, providers. Some of them were shut down, one example of one big provider in Italy, and basically the, the industry needed to produce swaps uh, very quickly. So, and, and remember it was a Thursday. On Friday, actually, we had the first discussion with them to put basically what were the specific during the weekend, we produce uh, certain designs. On Monday, we receive feedback. By the end of that week, basically, the, the FDA uh, gave the okay for a 3D printing uh, part to be produced uh, in, uh, in one uh, particular uh, uh, part. And uh, within weeks, basically, there was uh, the scale on production. So these, these are some of saying this is basically we have taken uh, years to, to do in, uh, in the normal situations. And this was done in a few weeks. And, and for me, basically, the, the idea of uh, uh, sharing uh, files, uh, uh, produce the mask shields, the bifurcators, the door mm -hmm. handles, uh, the, 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 the mask, basically, where they need it, I think it's, uh, it's uh, fantastic. And I think that uh, 3D printing not only has demonstrated that can work and uh, on demand, uh, uh, personalized, uh, distributed, as, as we we've, uh, always know, but uh, can help on the current supply chain. And, and, the, and the basically the example is actually we help some of the biggest uh, providers of respirators in, uh, in Europe. This was the example of a provider in Europe to produce uh, uh, spare parts that basically they didn't have while we were working on field respirators that were uh, designed from zero ground to give response to, for instance, the crisis that we had here in, uh, in Spain. Yeah, you're right. And the swabs are such um, a good example of that, I think, as well, of just showing how 3D printing can be used in that mass manufacturing environment when the application really calls for it. But moving away from those kind of, um, I guess, pandemic related types of, of components, uh, companies have engineered their current supply chains featuring conventional manufacturing techniques, producing excess parts to store in inventory from offshore locations for reasons that have really made sense for their business up until now. But taking those things into account, why do you think it's important that manufacturers should consider 3D printing for their supply chains now. Um, Sam, I'm going to point that to you. 
Awesome, thank you, thank you, Laura. Yeah, I think um, it's an unique, um, unique opportunity. What um, what a three D printing can do, narrative uh, manufacturing. One is uh, it can bring personalization uh, to customers in the local regions. You know, mm -hmm. like, instead of mass manufacturing things, we are set up to do that and deliver those uh, standard products to customers. Three uh, D printing can really enable that uh, localized. Uh, you know, portable technology that can serve uh, the regions and customer needs in a local manner. So that's one big advantage. The other one is an overall end-to-end -end cost from this technology is not lower uh, compared to the traditional ones and able to create complex designs uh, and can be done at a lower cost would really benefit, um, you know, any, any industry, any segment for that matter serving those customers. And then the lastly, I would also say that it's a very sustainable platform uh, from, a, from a green and environmental perspective, mm -hmm. uh, with no waste state and so on and so forth. So I think, you know, in respect of what industry we are in, I know I'm in most of the medical device and pharmaceuticals, but I see the benefits can be translated uh, broadly and we should all consider that, consider 3D printing as, an, as you move into new products and new type of platforms. So. Okay. Jennifer, what about you? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for me, it's fascinating because for profit making firms are driven by this flexibility, this ability to relocate where they're producing um, in order to maximize profit. And now we've seen a disruption to that in which the calculations are somewhat different. And I think that is putting a, a pressure towards regionalizing or localizing um, their supply chains. And I think we have seen a, a pressure to reduce inventory since the 1990s. We saw just-in-time um, technologies coming from Japan. Um, but I think that, that it's been slow to uh, naturally progress on. And now I think the fixed cost of having that inventory stored are becoming too much. And, and that, that very difficult decision of where to store all these items. And it's actually very warehousing. Um, it's actually a very complicated issue in terms of how that fits in together with your supply chain. So I think 3D printing offers a very easy solution um, from that once you understand the technology and how it can fit into your existing supply chain. Um, I think that we are seeing um, greater consideration of distributed manufacturing, a relocalization of where we produce. Um, and the archetypal example for additive manufacturing is spare parts. And we've seen that that is one of the classic examples used to illustrate really quite transformative impacts that can have. Um, I think then it's up to the sector really to tackle some of those issues around IP and um, security around parts design and how we transfer those. Um, um, but I'd also like to echo um, Sam's point about sustainability and that speaks to a bigger broader agenda, a, a governmental agenda, a consumer agenda mm -hmm. about um, where we're actually sourcing from. And then our focus becomes on the material supply chains and hopefully that's easier to have a greater handle over traceability around the materials and yeah. also who's involved in, in the production of these um, items as well. Okay. And Ramon, what about you? I think that uh, through the question, Laura, you, you've uh, actually described very well the, the current manufacturing <laughs> paradigm, which the, if you look at really why and how do we uh, manufacture is really uh, in response to basically uh, to the fact that uh, the, the most important today manufacturing technologies, they all require a very important fixed cost. In, in, mm -hmm. the, in the case of plastic, injection molding requires some mold. And because it requires some mold, we are living in a, in a paradigm of uh, central production because actually you have a mold which is physical and it's only in one place of uh, mass production because you, the more that you produce, the more that you more ties this uh, fixed cost. 
and of generative process because again the mold produces the thing that uh, basically the cavity is uh, is meant to do and uh, 3d printing what basically is uh, is meant and uh, the, one of the big advantages basically to to have the potential to change this uh, this paradigm from uh, this uh, central mass production generated products to uh, distributed on demand and personalized uh, products and for me, it not only enables what uh, the, the, the typical uh, person on the street uh, would uh, think about, which is basically, uh, yes, you can uh, do uh, more efficient designs or you can do uh, this, uh, this uh, short runs. But I think that the key is that it enables a new business model. When you think really of what is the fundamental thing on, uh, on 3 printing is one, it uh, helps on the demand supply matching. And uh, this is a huge deal. Uh, when basically you are a company that has a number of SKUs, really matching demand and supply is super, super difficult. So uh, instead of uh, uh, producing and then praying that basically what you have produced, where you have put it, is going to sell, is basically mm -hmm. to the stream, actually, wait until you sell and then produce. And produce very near to where the demand is the, and produce basically what the demand actually wanted. The other one, and, and for me, it's one of the biggest mega trends that we see moving forward is the concept of the segment of one, the, the basically how to produce high value added products that are meaningful to one person. And for this, uh, 3D printing, but also many other technologies are coming together in the factory to uh, enable this idea of high mix, high volume. Today, basically, the factories that we that we know produce high volume, low mix, mm -hmm. and there are some other factories that produce low volume, high mix. The idea to produce high mix, high volume is something that the treatment, again, with other different technologies are putting together. And I think is is going to be one of the big changes on uh, on manufacturing on, uh, on the next years. Okay. And Jennifer, you spoke a lot about these opportunities, as I mentioned at the start in your talk at, at TCT at, at Formnets Connect and also um, in a column which you wrote for TCT Magazine at the start of the year. Can you elaborate on some of the complexities and challenges that you see when we're talking about reshoring manufacturing? Yeah, I mean, reshoring actually is a quite complex process itself, just as a firm would have different reasons for offshoring and do those differently. The reasons why firms might reshore can also vary as well. Um, so we're not necessarily always seeing a return of like for like production. So a lot of the political rhetoric we're getting around reshoring is let's bring back manufacturing back to advanced economies from low cost locations. And actually, of course, it's a lot more complicated than the politicians would lead us to believe. Um, in, in industry, we know that. Um, it may be that a firm actually reconsiders entirely how they produce those products that they're going to reshore, and which I think is a very clear opportunity for additive manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And also their cost calculations may be rather different. Um, they would have had an incentive to um, increase automation of production in order to reduce labor costs to mitigate the higher labor costs in the advanced economy. So we will see, I think, substantial shifts in the kinds of things that are coming back. Um, and um, it might not just be things coming back. I think one element of reshoring actually should um, include um, preventing perhaps the production of some things um, going overseas and staying in the home countries. Um, we do see now increasingly because of additive, of course, pr uh, prototyping, more prototyping happens at home. Um, but we can see additive contributing in further ways, particularly around um, tooling and saving on tooling costs as well. 
Um, so I think that also the supply relationships themselves are very complex. We know from, for example, the UK legislation on the Modern Slavery Act, we know that some companies are very, very limited in their knowledge of their suppliers past the first tier. So when firms are asked about their second tier and third tier suppliers, um, we end up uh, in, in an unknown world. Well, where do they come from? Um, so we can see that how the firms then take out some of their tiers and then reintegrate them back into their home countries can be rather different. Um, I also don't think that reshoring necessarily means coming back to the home country. It could be that we see more um, return on a regional scale. So we could have more European companies, for example, coming, uh, leaving low cost locations in Asia and returning to Europe as a whole. And I won't go into Brexit and how that might affect the UK because I'll get too <laughs> upset. Um, I think challenges are around how firms make these calculations. There's increasing acknowledgement that perhaps the calculations are too simple. Um, you need to consider risk factors more and quality factors. Um, there's some concerns around how to source more local suppliers. Um, Reshoring UK um, is a very good initiative that is trying to match up firms that have supply needs with local suppliers. They do that through their body of trade associations. Um, but also to think about some of the opportunities that might be available through incentives, um, but cautiously um, not engage too much with the political rhetoric about how and why this should be happening. I think that um, in the case of AM, we can contribute a really strong rationale for helping with the reshoring process. Okay. So we know it's very complex and it comes with a lot of challenges, but there are of course a lot of advantages to potentially uh, taking this option and using additive manufacturing within the supply chain. And I just wanted to put it to the entire panel. What do you see as the biggest opportunities for additive manufacturing as companies attempt to make their supply chains more flexible and more resilient? Uh, Ramon, I'll put it to you first. In, in general, uh, actually, and, and this I don't, know, I don't know if it's well known, but during the pandemic, actually, we've seen an acceleration, a very important acceleration of the of the usage of uh, of the three uh, printings uh, and the install base of the, the three printers that we have. Uh, in a moment where where uh, investment in uh, in capital equipment has been frozen, actually, if you look at the usage of uh, uh, now I'm talking about HP, our industrial printers has been really looking at a, at a huge increase in usage. And for me, this is. Uh, 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 a consequence of uh, of basically this uh, this this idea of a more resilient way to uh, to produce at least the, the companies and the, that had invested in uh, in 3D uh, technology and 3D production plants they've been actually been able to maximize the the production from sectors that uh, that you probably could guess uh, we have examples on consumer goods in uh, automotive in industrial but also some that you couldn't have uh, guessed. And uh, mm -hmm. one of the things that uh, we've, uh, we've seen recently is basically the, the, the packaging the world, the, the fiber-based uh, packaging, which is now is again aligned with another mega trend, which is uh, sustainability. For me, uh, at the end, uh, adoption is always a, a, a function of two things. So it's the value proposition that uh, additive and 3 printing brings, but also the awareness of this, uh, of this value proposition. And uh, this pandemic has been really a big amplification of the 3D uh, advantages. Uh, and uh, the advantages that we all know in healthcare, like personalization and performance and consumer goods, around uh, again, the supply demand matching, personalization, etc. All of this, you have full piled on top 
the part of, uh, of resiliency. And uh, because I think that a lot of uh, companies have been uh, realizing actually that the, the best supply chain is the one that actually is uh, able to uh, deliver a product uh, versus uh, maybe a, a very uh, cost, low cost one that sometimes is not able to, to produce and deliver the product. So I think that uh, we've seen uh, many, many examples of, uh, of uh, industries, applications uh, popping up. And uh, for me, what is more important is basically this awareness of the, of the value mm -hmm. proposition is being raised. I think that's such an important point that you raised there, and I'm really, gl really glad that you said that because I think that being close to the 3D printing industry, we've seen this kind of increase in conversation around 3D printing being used over the last year, but it's about whether people are going to take that now and actually use it for other applications that are not related to the pandemic, that are about um, building better supply chains and making them uh, more resilient and using 3D printing for different products now that they've seen the advantages. So it's great to hear that at, at HP you have seen this uh, kind of increase in, in the use of, of your machines. Um, Sam, what about you? What's your take on the kind of biggest opportunities for 3D printing? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just kind of reflecting on what Ramon said, right? I think uh, the pandemic has really did teach us a couple lessons. One is, uh, you know, eventual nationalization and, you know, some of the borders getting closed out. Uh, we need to be proactive about how we can make our supply chains more robust, that we can serve the local customers. So, so 3D printing naturally falls very well into serving that you know, regional local needs. So it fits very well. The other area which kind of became very evident is that the pandemics are gonna, you know, go, potentially could become part of our life moving forward. Mm -hmm. And this whole touchless supply chains, you know, how can we um, you know, continue to provide the supply chain value, agility, uh, incorporating some of the touchless aspects of it. So, and in that area also, I think uh, 3D printing can definitely bring a lot of value because it's fact being a digital uh, technology and also be able to be operated, you know, uh, lights out manner in certain areas and without much of the human contact. So in a combination of automation, you know, even on the healthcare side, we see uh, not just 3D printing, but in context with robotics, uh, the Internet of Things, uh, the other type of adjacent technologies, um, it's going to bring a lot more value moving into the thing. So I think people are starting to see that. To Ramon's point, I think bringing more awareness uh, of applications, also the, you know, uh, the capabilities, what this platform can bring, uh, it's going to be important moving forward. The other thing I want to say is that, you know, 3D printing, people need to, we need to think about that as a platform of technologies and not just, you know, have one technology because uh, it is the polymers, you have metals, um, you also have bioprinting and sensor printing. It is just kind of, you know, it can bring solutions across the platform and just not just uh, one, one area. So it is very, you know, definitely, um, multifaceted, it would be the right word for it. So. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, really good point there, Sam. And Jennifer, what about you? Any other kind of thoughts on the opportunities for additive manufacturing? I think that AM could potentially play a really strong role in helping us to kind of future-proof supply chains. I think perhaps we could have been quite complacent since the acceleration of globalization since the 1970s. We've been more interconnected and integrated than ever, and we thought that was an unstoppable train. And for many people, it's come as a bit of a shock that that 
has changed quite significantly and we made terms like deglobalization are now being bounded around. Um, so I think we've known that there is potential challenges ahead. We know that there's peak oil, we know environmental crises can impact on supply chains as well as pandemics. So I think that um, as, the, as Sam and Ramon have indicated, when the, it's not plain sailing from now on and AM can really play a role in that. Um, I would hope that it become easier to sell additive manufacturing and the applications that it can offer. Um, we have so many more case studies, more public case studies that people are willing to share now as a result of the pandemic. Um, but I think we need to emphasize that it's not just a tool for crisis. Um, it is something that can be integrated uh, to be complementary uh, to traditional methods um, and can help during periods of normal demand. It could be quite easy to bat away the significance of 3D printing during the crisis and say, well, that's not a typical situation. That's not a, a genuine business model. But I think that we've got enough evidence to um, counter that. And I think really just helping to question the status quo and make people aware of some of those vulnerabilities and the, the really strong role that additive could play in mitigating against them. Sam, I want to go back to something that you said then about uh, 3D printing, having so many different facets, different types of 3D printing, whether you're talking about metals, polymers or, or, or bioprinting, there's so many kind of flexible opportunities. Uh, for J&J, &J, why is a flexible supply chain um, important and what role do you foresee 3D printing playing in that at the company? Yeah, I think um, like as when I started out the conversation, I, I brought about that the diversity of the business is the diversity of the customers we serve, right? So um, I think, um, you know, we have the Met device, which was the initial starting point for us, you know, with a lot of personalized instruments, implants, things like that were produced. Uh, but we see that uh, moving forward, uh, you know, talking about the platform technologies, personalized medicine, right, which is able to deliver specific dosage forms to a specific individual uh, is going to be, you know, important, um, you know, which would be really strongly enabled by 3D printing on the pharmaceutical side. So we're putting a lot of effort into that space. Uh, and then the other area is the bioprinting space, right, instead of putting metal and polymer products into your body, how can we just reintroduced and uh, put, you know, printed organs and printed tissue augments that you could, you could the natural things can come into you instead of a foreign object and, and 3D printing can deliver that also. So um, I think the, the value of this technology is um, from a supply chain perspective, the capabilities can be built in multiple angles and able to serve uh, uh, diverse businesses, and, and Johnson Johnson is a good example of it because it's a conglomerate of, you know, various diverse businesses in that sense. So, mm -hmm. uh, I think we have a lot of big hope and uh, for for this platform of technology to deliver value. So, okay. I want to put this question out to the entire panel. Um, so say I'm a company that's looking to maybe uh, introduce additive manufacturing into my supply chain. Are there any key considerations that you think a company like this would need to make when wanting to re-engineer their supply chain and think about introducing something like 3D printing? Um, Ramon, I think we'll go to you first. I think that uh, one of the the, th the things that you need to uh, to think when thinking about the supply chain, think about the resiliency is that uh, the resiliency of a supply chain is the resiliency of the worst part of your supply chain. And, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, what is uh, very, 
which is actually a good practice to do is what actually, if you remember on, the, on, uh, on Europe during the, the financial crisis, there was this stress test to the banks. And there was basically this, this uh, different test that you need to stress your, your banking system to see basically is your bank for robust. The same thing in supply chain. We need to make sure that we, uh, we test actually our supply chains with uh, these uh, uh, vectors of tests that uh, simulate different conditions and see really what is the true resiliency of the, of the supply chain. And uh, what is very important also at, at the end, uh, when you look at uh, doing new things to your supply chain is, is, is have a, a very good business case. And I think that Jennifer was pointing this before. It's, it's very important to take all the costs, not a simplistic model. Look at the hidden costs. There's so many hidden costs and uh, really going to a, a much more uh, robust supply chain, one that actually can be uh, more uh, more supportive of different uh, variations, but, uh, and, and, and it's not that the, that the companies didn't have it. All of all of us uh, had our uh, business continuity plans. HP had the business continuity plans. Most of them actually failed miserably because we didn't put the the different or a lot of uh, of, uh, of under enough stress to really look that's really interesting and I'm, I'm glad you're, you're being so honest about that as well. Uh, Jennifer, what about you? Any key considerations you think a company would need to have in order to introduce additive manufacturing? Um, well, I think it depends how familiar the company is already with AM, if they've been using it already for prototyping, for example. And I think I would probably um, encourage um, confidence in the technology, but also to veer from initially starting with the sexiest case study that you might want to publicize mm -hmm. and do some of the groundwork and become familiar with that technology. I mean, there's a lot of work that can happen around tooling, around jigs and fixtures, and really considering it quite a long learning process. Um, I mean, it needn't necessarily be particularly long in time, but I think that there's a very stages that you can go through in order to build confidence with what you're trying to do. Um, we're constantly bombarded with all these amazing things that can happen. And actually, there's quite a lot of mundane, everyday um, tasks that Additive can perform that can really help a firm's performance and, their, and improve their supply chain. Um, a second point really will be around making sure you have the right people to help you introduce this technology. Um, it's not necessarily easy to find the right people to help you run your additive machines, but they are out there, but to be aware that they, um, you need to find them and integrate them into your company in order to get the best out of the technology, because the technology is nothing without the right people in order to know how to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two really great points there. It's all about the people and you're so right about looking for those kind of less interesting but super useful applications to start off with. I think that really is key. And Sam, what about you? As a company that has actually adopted additive manufacturing in, in various different ways, any key considerations that maybe you have to take that you would recommend to um, a company thinking about introducing 3D printing? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, um, you know, prototyping is prototyping and, you know, the, the low hanging fruit on the tree is definitely an area to start with, like what Jennifer was talking about. But I, one of the biggest advantage of 3D printing is able to deliver some complex designs, right? So it doesn't matter what industry you are in, you know, if you go back and revisit what the customer wants and what the needs are, and rethink this technology to see, can this deliver more than what we are giving them already, right? A lot of these products can be, you know, um, readjusted, redesigned so that the cost can be significantly lower, but also deliver what the customers are wanting. So that's an advantage of this. And sometimes when we, um, 
you know, call the 3D printing as just a manufacturing technology, we do injustice, right? Uh, it is it is something which can, it can play a bigger role uh, in really bringing that really unthinkable designs uh, in a com combination with this very agile supply chain uh, manufacturing technology that it can deliver. So that would be my advice that go back to the ground zero to think about what your customer wants is this a value what I can, you know, use this technology to bring that back to them? Sam's reminded me of a really important point around additive is that ability to actually reduce the number of components that you need. So you can, mm -hmm. you can actually um, decrease the complexity of your supply chain, which makes it easier to manage as well. So we've got a couple of questions left now and Sam, I'm going to bring this one back to you again as, as a user of, of 3D printing technology. Um, what can the additive manufacturing sector do do you think to improve the solutions delivered to the market and, and ensure that the technology is robust enough for manufacturers to really lean on? Yeah, I think we have come a long way, right? I think if you look at a decade ago uh, when we were doing manufacturing, we were more on the polymer side doing prototypes, you know, non, non mission critical components. Uh, but if you see now, I think we definitely have improved our technology from, uh, you know, the machinery and the and the printers themselves have gotten a lot more robust. The the material characterization and type of raw material of the resins and the powders have substantially improved in the quality and also on you know standardization aspects of it. Um, so I think over the next next uh, you know a generation of things, uh, these are going to get a lot more um, robust. The standards are going to be a lot more clear. The regulatory bodies and uh, the agencies are going to be a lot more aware of, you know, what's going to come out of that. I think this is a good good future for the combination of it. This will also drive uh, the complexity, like what Jennifer was talking about, uh, but also would bring a very competitive uh, cost um, across, you know, in the metals and polymers and other areas to uh, moving as far. So it's 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 a good thing for us to, you know. Um, in, the, in this journey where we are in, so. Okay. And Ramon, what about you? You know, you're building these machines, but also using them um, day in, day out. What kind of improvements do you think could be made by the sector? I think that the, the, the sector can, can improve in many, many different, uh, many different uh, vectors. And, uh, and uh, I mean, I will not be uh, sharing anything uh, super confidential, uh, <laughs> saying that uh, basically the, the, all of us are really looking into uh, improving how actually you can uh, introduce these industrial three printers seamlessly in a, in a factory and being a, a, a digital citizen of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of this uh, industry 4.0 uh, factory, uh, improving economics, obviously, uh, increasing the application uh, and breadth. But for me, the, the, the one of the most important things beyond basically the technological uh, improvement, which uh, there will be and will be actually significant, is uh, how do we make sure that we convey to our, our customers and to the people that adopt that basically a 3D printer is not a green button. It's not basically something that you put file or print, but basically mm -hmm. uh, it requires some production engineers, some engineer some uh, quality management systems some uh, 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 design for manufacturability the the usual things that uh, all uh, of uh, the engineers are, are trained uh, that basically you you need for different uh, uh, technologies for 3d printing probably is much easier but also you need to go through certain 
processes uh, to make sure that uh, when you go from design to scale production, uh, you don't see some hiccups like sometimes today we, we see. So a lot of training, a lot of uh, uh, awareness on how important this process uh, development and this uh, production development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. And it's about understanding that end-to-end -end process that goes into producing a, a finished part. Jennifer, what about you? Any thoughts on that? Um, I think there's still quite a lot of work to do around transparency, around um, business models that underpin this. I think there's quite a lot of work going on within companies and within um, 3D printing companies and a bit more knowledge exchange could happen. I know that's difficult in competitive sectors at difficult times, but I think that it does have an impact on users and can potentially be quite confusing sometimes for them. Um, I think some reassurance around stability of material supply as well, I think would be important. I think that can be quite a, a significant um, consideration for um, manufacturers when they're thinking about using 3D printing. Okay, thank you. So before we wrap up now, can we have some final thoughts from each, each of you or any key takeaways um, about AM and supply chain? So Jennifer, we'll go back to you first. I thought long and hard about this because I found it quite an interesting question. And actually I ended up feeling quite um, emotional about the, the rhetoric that surrounds additive. And when I first started doing research on this sector, a lot of the talk was around, around how transformative it was and how it's going to change the world for the better. And as I engaged more with people like yourselves, it became very clear to me that it was a complementary tool and it was a tool like every other and that we could be used alongside um, conventional manufacturing. And I think that came about as a, a kind of pushback against all this transformative rhetoric um, in order to carve out market share, essentially. Um, but I'm inclined now to encourage us all to ignite a bit more of that initial enthusiasm and confidence in the technology. It is potentially transformative. It might be a tool, but it's a very special tool and it's got uh, some amazing capabilities. Um, and I think that the contemporary situation, as difficult it is, has really highlighted um, uh, those capabilities and push a bit harder on actually the technology. Now we have so much confidence in what it can do and the impact that it could have. And Sam, what about you? Any final thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, I think uh, it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a platform of technology. And I think um, from a talent perspective, we need to be open uh, in our thinking, right? Um, all from engineers and scientists that uh, this can deliver a lot of value, uh, you know, in transformative in many, many areas. We take advantage of it in a, in a lot of uh, simple manner, like prototyping and stuff like that. But there is a potential if we can think um, beyond what we're doing day in and day out, that this can bring a lot of value in it. So, which we have seen in, you know, in my company that um, it, it just has started opening up uh, the applications for the patients in areas we would never thought about in the past. So uh, it's a very powerful one and I'm looking forward to expanding it in the community, so. Great, and Ramon, any final thoughts from you? Sure. Uh, for me, 3D printing has the potential to change the way uh, people design and manufacture. Uh, design in the sense of producing new products that were not uh, possible uh, before, products that are more uh, personal, more meaningful to the uh, end customers, and uh, changing also the way that is manufacturing. Uh, is uh, is uh, changing actually who, uh, how and where these goods are produced. And this has actually profound uh, implications. Uh, from one side, it's a uh, democratization if you if you think about of the of the access to production tools but also has the potential to reconfigure 
uh, value chains, supply chains, uh, has the potential to uh, accelerate this intermediation. And uh, I think that uh, has the potential really to, to, to change the, the industrial and manufacturing uh, landscape on the, on the next uh, five to, to 10 years. So uh, very exciting to, to be a part of this, uh, this change and actually see how, how uh, people really take advantage of these tools to, uh, to not only uh, produce uh, new products and to optimize production, but really within their whole uh, business model. I think that's a really positive and hopeful note to end on. So thank you all so much for your insights today. I think it's been a really great discussion. Thanks so much. And now a word from our sponsor, Ultimaker. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash Ultimaker pod. Mm-hmm.